Hi, um, I am Missy Marshall and I have been attending with my family for a little while now and I'm excited to be um, a member of Emmaus. Good morning Emmaus. I'm Kristen Williams and I'm really excited to be joining the church. I hope all of you are doing well and I'm really looking forward to the day we can all get back together and worship together again. Hope you guys have a great and blessed day. Hi. We're the Braziers. I'm Shelly. And I'm Mark. And we are so happy to join the Emmaus family and see what God has in store for all of us. We are happy to join the in, up, and out of the Great Commission. What's your name? Bailey. This is Barrett. You are? I'm Abby and this is Ethel. Hey, and I'm, I'm Lindsay. I'm... And I'm Jeremy. We're the Braziers and we're so excited and happy and blessed to join Emmaus. Hey, I'm Paul Ucker. And I am Karen Uckert. I'm the executive director of the Early Wine Park YMCA. And I am the music teacher at Southgate Elementary. We have two sons that are 18 and 20. We are excited about joining the Mias Church and looking forward to getting involved with you guys. Hope to see you all soon. All right. Well, good morning, Emmaus. I have to tell you, those video introductions for membership went so well. I'm not sure that we will actually back away from that. That was, uh, that was really fun. So we have several people who are looking toward baptism, who are talking to us about committing to the church, and we said we just want to go ahead right now and present to you some of those families who say, I'm ready to jump in, I'm ready to connect, and so we want to do it in this way. When people connect with our church, when they say we want to join here, we want to be members here, we have an um, introduction meeting class that we do, and I'm going to tell you an option for that coming up in a few minutes. And then we meet with people to hear about their testimony of faith, their, their faith in Christ for salvation, their baptism of display, and this is what God's done in my life. And then we present members for membership. And when we do that as a church family, we make a commitment to one another by saying 2 Corinthians 4, 5, which is our church verse. Now, Emmaus, I'm going to trust you at home. You don't have to stand up. I guess if you want to stretch your legs, you could stand up. Normally, if we were in this building, we would stand up together. But I want us to be able to say this verse together alongside those families that you just saw of us making that commitment as a church. So right where you are at home, let's say this together. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. That's our verse, that's our commitment to one another. Now, let me tell you a couple of ways that you can get connected, you can get involved. Let's say you're like, hey, I wanna jump in, I wanna know more what's going on here, maybe I'm not ready to join, but I'd just like some more information. There's a couple of ways you can do that. We've mentioned already, and the Pruitt family mentioned this in their video, but there's a form in the Facebook comments, if you're watching on Facebook, where you can fill out that form, and we'll get in touch with you, we'll connect with you in that way. If you'd just like to email me directly, you can do that anytime. It's owen at emmausokc.org. You might even say, Owen, hey, I thought we were ready to join, and you forgot us, and if we did, I'm so sorry, email me and let me know, and we'll get that back in, in process for sure. Also, I want to host an informational Zoom meeting. Again, we would normally do this, but you may be sick and tired. You probably are sick and tired of Zoom and connecting in this way. But if you're interested in getting involved at Emmaus and you say, you know what, this may be a place that my family and I would like to be a part of going forward. If you would like to do that, 
I'm going to schedule a Zoom meeting May 17th, Sunday night, May 17th at 7 p.m. that evening. And if you would like to be part of that, just fill out that form or send me an email and, and we'll get you connected with that. Okay, for this morning, we want you to open to John chapter 1. And as you open to John chapter 1 in your Bible, I'm going to tell you about one more thing. So I'd like you to move in your Bible to John chapter 1 because that's going to be the basis for us studying Scripture this morning. But I also want you to know that tonight at 7 o'clock, we are going to host an online prayer meeting for our church. Back at the beginning of 2020, when we had no idea what was coming uh, for, for 2020, we said we want to set aside the first Sunday in, in May just to come together in prayer as a church, asking for God's direction for our church, asking for God's wisdom about some things that were coming. We still need to do that. And so what we're going to do tonight is we are going to connect on Facebook Live, or if you prefer to watch on YouTube and that works better for you, we'll be live on YouTube as well at 7 o'clock. We're going to aim for approximately one hour I know that can feel long with little ones or things going on at night. It might be getting into your bedtime for all, for all I know. Uh, so jump in. We'd love for you to participate in as much as you could uh, with that time. And then we're also working on some plans for prayer walks here at the building on Sundays toward the end of the month as we lead up to regathering. So again, I want you to be aware of that. I, I hope you'll connect tonight. At, at 7 o'clock, it's going to be a time of prayer. That's what we're going to do. We're going to gather to pray. We're going to gather as a church to call out to the Lord for his wisdom, for his spirit to move in our church, for God's grace to be spread, people to come to salvation. We're going to do that together, and I'm excited about that opportunity tonight. Right now, we're going to be in John chapter 1. So if you've not opened your Bible, or if you don't have access to a Bible in front of you as you're watching these verses are going to be up on the screen as we go along, but I want to read the first five verses of John chapter 1 as we get started this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Father, thank you for the gift again of connecting this morning. God, thank you for the families, the people that you have brought to be a part of Emmaus. God, we've been reminded in a very stark way the past few weeks that it's true that church is not about the building. That the church is the people of God connected together around your mission. And God, we desire together. We want to be together in person. We know that that is good and pleasing according to your word. And right now at a time that that's hard to do, God, we pray that you would connect our hearts together. God, we pray that you would draw people to salvation, that people who have never trusted in you would do that this morning. And God, I pray that just as Jaron prayed a few minutes ago, that the truth of your word this morning would provide a stability for our lives, a stability for our world that we could never have on our own. And so God, use the next few minutes to do that for all who are listening. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, one thing we know to be true is that kids can ask some of the funniest 
and also some of the hardest theology questions. The reason we know that is because many of you, when your kids ask you funny or hard theology questions, you say, hey, go ask Pastor Owen, or you send me an email, hey, what do you think about this, Owen? I love that. I love the fact that your kids are asking spiritual questions. Encourage that, encourage that. Help them to answer those questions in a way that matches scripture, in a way that shares the gospel with them, but I've accumulated both from personal experience and then also a couple of quick internet searches. I wanted to share with you a few funny questions that kids ask about spiritual things. Number one, why did God make mosquitoes? That is a great question, and we could probably work on a theology answer for that, but that is just a really good question. Why did God make mosquitoes? Number two, did God mean for the giraffe to look like that or wasn't an accident? Again, a great question. Did God mean for the giraffe to look like that, or did he say, oops, and just keep going? Number three, did Jesus have to be potty trained? I'm sure for Mary's sake she hopes no, but I'm probably so. Is Santa Claus God's rich older brother? No, but good question. Number five, if I prayed for a puppy, why did God send me a brother? I don't know the answer to that, but uh, it's a toss-up. We love our puppies, uh, puppies a lot, as we've seen from our videos. Uh, the next one, if Jesus didn't have a sister, why do I have to have one? There seems to be something going on with siblings here. If Jesus didn't have to have a sister, which presumably he didn't, why do I have to have one? How about a couple of theology questions that help us think about our topic for this morning? If God has been around forever... Why do people tell me to hurry up all the time? That's a good one, kids. If your parents are telling you to always hurry up, just tell them God's been around forever. I don't have to hurry up right now. Actually, listen to your parents. Don't, don't tell them that. Second question. My grandpa says God was around when he was little. How far back does God actually go? Now, that's a good question. If God was around when your grandpa was little, how far back does God actually go? And that leads to this next question that I've been asked. What was God doing before he made the world? Now, there's a theology question from a little kid that will get us very close to where we need to go this morning. What was God doing before he made the world? Was he bored? Was he lonely? Was he in quarantine? Do we have some connection with God because of what we've gone through versus what he was doing before creation? What was God doing before he created the world. I don't know about you, but the past few weeks, the past few months have been a weird time warp. Uh, we lived through six Mondays and a Sunday every week. The month of March lasted 100 days, and the month of April lasted 10 days. We've lived through this. It's weird to think about living in time when time itself doesn't seem to be working the right way. What does it mean to live in this type of world, and what does it mean, Emmaus, to think about a God who is eternal. We're in the middle of the series of sermons about who is God, and what I want us to hold on to this morning is the fact that God is eternally giving, and God is unchangeably good. There are two things that I want you to go home with today, that God is eternally giving, and that God is unchangeably good. Because when you live in a world where things are so uncertain, and when it seems like things are changing all the time, 
Person A will say one thing and person B will come along and say something else and you're just always uncertain what is this week going to bring? What is this day going to bring? When your job goes away and when your friends bail on you and when your health gives out and when life does not go the way that you wanted or the way that you expected and everything is changing, it is good news to know that God is eternally giving and God is unchangeably good. And as we get into this this morning, you may say, Owen, I'm not even sure that I believe in God necessarily. I'm, I'm struggling with what I understand about God. I'm understanding with this idea, how can God be good when there's so much trouble in the world around us? I hope you'll see in these verses how this question of who God was before creation can help with what you're dealing with in life and, and can lead you even to how do I live my life right now? And Emmaus, if I can just be really honest with you, and the biggest battle I faced this past week preparing for this moment right now, it would be so easy for many of us who have been around church for a long time, and you know scripture, and you've tuned in, that when you hear that God is eternal, and you hear that God is good, and you hear that God doesn't change, that that is up here, that you know that academically, but do you know it here? Do you know it in your heart? Do you know it in the way that you live your life? Do you know it in the way you live in this really crazy world that we're in right now? Because right now, what we need to hear, what we need to hold on to, is that God is eternally giving and God is unchangeably good. And I'd love to show you that in Scripture. Let's look in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. The Gospel of John starts in this way. In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I know when you see there, and it says, in the beginning, when you see in the beginning, it triggers Genesis 1-1 as it should. That's a good trigger. It should trigger Genesis 1-1. But the reality is, a couple of the other Gospels start with similar language. In Mark's Gospel, Mark begins by talking about the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ and begins to tell us about the ministry of Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew uses a term very similar to the word for Genesis, and it talks about the beginning of Jesus' ancestors. So you have Mark's gospel, and you have Matthew's gospel that talk about the beginning, but it's like John the apostle said, hold my ink pen, I'm really going to show you the beginning. I'm going to show you what things were like even before the beginning. Mark, you begin Jesus' ministry. Matthew, you begin Jesus' ancestors. I'm taking you back to the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word. Now you're going to see the term was, W-A-S. You're going to see that several times in these verses. And that's not a throwaway word. That's an extremely important word in, in John 1. Because it talks about something not that is coming into being, not about something that is being made, but the existence of something. And we're going to see that contrast come up in a, in a minute. In the beginning was what? In the beginning was the Word. Now, John, in writing his gospel, is incredible with this because dozens of times in John's gospel, what he will do is he'll take a concept like word or fruit or light. He'll take a concept like that that would make perfect sense to someone who has no spiritual, scriptural background. So as he's writing to a, an audience that would have had a philosophical background or would have had a Gentile background, this idea of in the beginning was the word the word was logos. We might spell it L-O-G-O-S. This idea of, of logos, which could mean reason 
or the universal unifying principle of the world. It could even talk about the ideal, the abstract ideal that sits behind the created things of the world. So there was this idea that was present in John's world that people would have connected with this idea of logos. But John is anchoring the meaning of these words in the Old Testament scripture. And so when you have, in the beginning was the word, what John is tying back to is that when God creates, he uses his word. That when God reveals who he is, he speaks to his people. That when God gives his law, he speaks to his people. That God speaks to his people through the prophets. That when God gives his wisdom through the wisdom writings, his word can even become personified, can take on this idea of a person. And so when John's audience heard this, they would have understand word as God's self-expression, his powerful self-expression of who he was. In the beginning was the word, was the going out of God's character of his being. And the word was with God. This idea that when we talk about word, when we talk about God going out, in some way, John, from the very beginning of his gospel, hang in there with me, from the very beginning of his gospel, John is making a distinction of when I talk about word and when I talk about God. So the word was with God. This idea can even be about being in relationship, being turned toward God. And then the end of verse 1, and the word was God. This is where theology becomes so, so important. And, and don't run away from this. Don't think, I'm not smart enough to do this. I don't know enough. This is such good news for our lives. That here, the word and God are kept distinct in some way, and yet John at the same time is able to say, the word was God. Now let me say something about this point that I'm also going to bring up in, in verse 2 as well. I often make a big deal about saying, you know, as long as you read the translation, I'm not particularly worried about what Bible translation you use. King James, New American, English Standard, NIV, I, I'm not the type of pastor that makes a big deal about that. Where I would draw the line is something called the New World Translation that, that comes from a group called the Jehovah's Witnesses. At the end of verse 1 in the New World Translation, instead of it saying, and the word was God, it says, and the word was a little g, God. Now, obviously, we are talking about two completely different things at, at this point with this idea of the word was God or the word was a God. Look in verse 2 and see if we can deal with this a little bit. In verse 2, what do you have? The word was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now notice a little bit of distinction here. He, the word that's been spoken of, personified, given, given person here, who, who's also been equated with God, he was in the beginning with God. This idea of existence that I talked about just a minute ago. All things were made, were, were brought into, were brought, uh, almost this idea of giving birth to, were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, someone coming from a Jehovah's Witness background would say that Jesus, as the Word of God, that Jesus was created by God, that Jesus was not eternal as God's Son, that Jesus was created by God, and then through Jesus, all other things were made. This is why when you get to Colossians chapter 1 in the New World Translation, 
and it says that through him, through Christ, all things were made, it adds the word other, that through Christ all other things were made. So Christ was made, and through Christ all other things were made. The problem is that is not what we find in God's word. What we find here is all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Even in confusing language, we get the idea that John is presenting to us here. That when we talk about God being eternally giving, we are also saying the same thing about God's work through his son, Jesus Christ. And we're saying the same thing about God's work by the power of the Holy Spirit. That Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, eternally giving, eternally loving, eternally giving out all that is good and full of life and full of light. And we'll see that in just a moment. Let's just say a second, because we're going to make this point and then kind of leave it behind to move ahead. Conversations with people who come from Jehovah's Witness background, or in what might amount to a very awkward moment right now, if you're watching, you come from a Jehovah's Witness background. You're like, this guy's arguing with me, and he's, he's saying things that I, I, I don't believe. If you want some more information about this, um, about speaking to people who come from a Jehovah's Witness background, I would just point you to a website called watchman.org, not Watchtower. Watchtower is the magazine that Jehovah's Witness uses for their, for their teaching. Watchman.org is a great website from a man named James Walker who's been here at Emmaus, and it gives you a lot of background resources on talking to people who come from, from other religions, other, other ways of thinking. Also, let me just say this. Remember that it is not rude or mean to disagree with someone about what they say they believe. What is rude and mean is just to dismiss someone or, or to twist things around and say, oh yeah, we actually really believe the same thing when you know you really don't believe the same thing. To, to engage someone in dialogue, to, to ask questions about what someone believes and then from a place of conviction share what you believe that's not rude, and that's not mean. We've messed up the word tolerant in our world, where tolerant means everybody is right about everything. When tolerant is, yeah, I, I care for you. I, I want to hear what you have to say, and yet I disagree with you, and we can continue to move forward in this dialogue, not pretending like we all believe the same thing. We hold firmly to the good news that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That is not a throwaway doctrine. That's not for someone who attends an extra theology class. That's the foundation of our faith, that who we believe about God, who we believe about Jesus, shapes the way we live our lives. Let's keep moving and go to verse four at this point. First, uh, John chapter one, verse four. In him was life. So in the word who was God was life, and the life was the light of men. Again, John is is giving us a kind of a two sides of a coin here. John is speaking about light and life in reference to creation, but the same words in John's gospel, light and life, they will also be used in reference to salvation. So this is going to be important as we go with this, that when you see light and when you see life, it speaks in regards to God's work in creation, but it also speaks to the work that God does in salvation, that both of those are his gift. Both of those are his work in the world. You see there in verse 5 that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That it is in God's character to shine forth. Now we always have to be careful when we start using analogies, when we start using 
themes from this world to talk about the things of God. Sometimes we'll use like a three-leaf clover, or we'll use a pyramid, or we'll use an apple, or we're trying to come up with things to help kids, and not just kids, honestly, but adults, understand who God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One idea that theologians have used over the years is the idea of the sun, that the sun gives forth light and heat, and so in the same way you have one God giving forth life and light and love into the world. It doesn't work perfectly, but it is a nice reflection of what's happening here in verse five, that it is part of God's character to shine forth. Hold on to that, and it's gonna come back in just a minute. Look down, if you would, in verse 14. If you have your Bible open in front of you, or you're looking on your phone, look down to verse 14 of John chapter one. What do we find out about the word in John chapter one, verse 14? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is last week's sermon from Philippians chapter two, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Don't miss how incredible that the glory of God is connected to the coming of Jesus in the flesh, fully God, fully human. We have seen his glory. We have seen the radiance of his character. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, so the glory of the Son, or the glory of the Father goes out through the Son into the world. We have seen that, and it is full of grace, God's good gifts being given to us, God's graciousness to us, but also his truth, his stability. Two sides of that. What do we know true about God? That he gives of himself, that he shines forth, that he gives life and he gives light and he gives love. But what we also know to be true is that he is faithful and he is stable, that God is eternally giving. Let me point you to a verse that might be helpful at this point. If you will turn over in the book of John to John chapter 17. Now there are several places we could go in scripture, but what I wanna do at this point in John chapter 17 is I'd like to answer that question that we brought up at the beginning. What was God doing before creation? I think you're already getting the picture from what we talked about in John chapter one, but if you wanna underline John chapter 17, verse 24 in your Bible, I think this could be really helpful. And this could be a fun discussion even to have with your kids or your grandkids at home. If they're not listening or you know for sure they're not paying attention to what I'm saying right now, you could ask them later today. Just ask them, hey, what do you think God was doing before he created the world? And you have a foundation here in John chapter 17 to begin to give an answer to that question. Let me show you John chapter 17, verse 24. Here's what Jesus says in that prayer. He says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, my disciples, that they may be with me where I am to see my glory. Notice the reflection of John 1 there. To see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. What was God doing before creation? What was God doing before the foundation of the world? The world? He was eternally acting as a giving, loving father, giving his love to his son through his spirit. For all of eternity, God has been a good and loving father, giving of himself, giving of his love to his son by the power of his Holy Spirit. 
Michael Reeves, in his book called Delighting in the Trinity, makes a really important point at this point. Here's what Michael says. He says that when Hitler used to speak of God, and I know that might seem strange, but, but when Hitler would speak of God, because there's a religious connection going on there, when he would speak of God, he would only call him the Almighty. Why do you think that is? Because when Hitler thought of God, he did not think of a father, he thought of power. But if we begin only by thinking of God as a singular being with all power, we misunderstand God's character for all of eternity. Because God's power is just not wrapped up in being a ruler, we only understand God's power because he is an eternally loving, giving father who has always been in fellowship with his son through the power of his Holy Spirit. That that is what is true about God. And there's a chance, there's a chance you really struggle in your relationship with God because of how you understand your relationship with your earthly father. That your earthly father changed a lot, that your earthly father was not always there, that your earthly father functioned more with power than with love. And Emmaus, what I want you to know is that for all of eternity, what has been true about God is that he has been a good and loving and holy father sharing his love with his son by his, sp- his spirit. So when God created, he didn't have to do something different. He didn't have to become someone different. That when he sent his son, Jesus, in the flesh, he didn't have to change at that point. When he stepped into your life and your hurt, he didn't change his character. He remained a good and loving and holy father, all of eternity, eternally giving of himself. Let me show you just kind of a a slide to sum this up. What do we know about God? That God is eternally giving. It is his character to overflow with love and life and light. The Father and the Son and the Spirit have eternally existed in this way. It never came into being. It's always been this way. It's stable. Meaning that the Trinity, when we talk about one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, isn't an embarrassing add-on to Christianity, but it's actually our greatest hope. Let me see if I can explain it to you in, in this way, kind of using an analogy. I talked earlier about how theologians would sometimes use the Son to describe or help us understand God. Another analogy that has often been used by theologians about this is the idea of God as a fountain, a fountain that continually overflows with love and goodness and light and life. The distinction here is if you like to fish, and this is a great time of year, and goodness knows we can hopefully practice social distancing while while fishing, but uh, if you enjoy fishing and you think about going out to a pond, you guys know I'm not a big lake person. I don't do well with water that I can't see into. So I'm not really big on going out on the lake and fishing, but I'm all about fishing from the edge of a pond. And so you have most ponds, I would say, in Oklahoma are the type of ponds that are built for rainfall runoff. So the pond is filled up, and it remains filled up because of rainfall that either falls directly into the pond or it runs off and it's caught by the dam, which means in Oklahoma when you have droughts, a lot of your ponds go away, except if the pond is spring-fed. If there is a spring of water that is continually flowing water into that pond so that that pond never goes dry. And in that small sense, that becomes a comparison to understanding who we know God to be. That God 
is an eternally giving spring that for all of eternity he has overflowed with love and light and life and he has given that to us through his son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to help us make a connection to understand why we hold on to that, the difference that that makes in our life. I need you to turn over in your Bible to James chapter 1. James is as you get toward the end of Paul's letters, you're getting really close to the end of your New Testament, to the end of your Bible, but you get over there to the end of uh, Paul's letters, you get past the book of Hebrews, and you get to the book of James. And what I want to do with these verses in the book of James is we've talked about how God is eternally giving, that God continually overflows from all of eternity with his love and his life and his light, and that that is a good thing that we want that to be true because we know that God is unchangeably good. I want to show you some verses here in James chapter 1. We're going to focus on verses 17 and 18, but let's start with verse 16 right here. James chapter 1, verse 16. Here's what it says. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Now, why would James say that at this point? Well, it's because just before these verses, James has dealt with this false teaching, with this idea that God would somehow tempt people to evil or God himself would be drawn to evil. But what James is saying is that's not true. That is not true. God does not tempt you to go into evil, and God himself is not enticed or drawn to what is evil because, look at verse 17. Verse 17 at the very beginning says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift, those are used in parallel. You don't have to try to find two different meanings. James writes as a wisdom writer where sometimes he'll, he'll say the same thing twice to reinforce a point. So what do we know to be true about God? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the eternal, from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Okay, what do we understand from, from that verse? Well, we've already said that God is eternally giving, and that's good news because from this verse we find that when God gives, he is unchangeably good. God is eternally giving. He overflows of his character. He overflows of himself, and that is good news because God is unchangeably good in who he is. Every good gift and every perfect act of giving comes from above. Every good thing we have, Emmaus, comes as a gift from a good father who overflows with goodness eternally for his people, for his glory. I want you to see that there. How do we see that showing up here? Notice it says that he is the father, again, not just the ruler, but the father. He is the father of light. Now, most likely what's going on here in, in the book of James is this idea of lights, and then later in verse 17 where it talks about there being no variation or shadow due to change. What James is talking about is he's talking about the stars and the moons. When the people would have, the moon, well, one moon for us, many moons for other planets. As, as the people in the ancient world would have looked up into the sky, they would have seen the stars and the moon changing constantly, providing some source of stability and consistency, but always changing, always being in different locations. And James is saying that behind those created things that move and change, behind those is a God who never changes. Now, it would happen 
that in 2020 we would get a report last week that the government has released documents about these particular UFO sightings from years ago. Leave it to 2020 that a pandemic wasn't enough. Now we have UFO disclosure, and followed by that yesterday, I don't know if you saw the, the stories about these massive hornets that are just the most awful things you've ever seen in your life that are supposedly have somehow made their way into our country. So who knows what 2020 has for us. But what James is doing here is he is saying everything created in the world is going to move or have variation or change. Behind those things, the creator, though, is a good and constant and stable father. Here's the other thing that James is doing, and this might... Hear me out on this, because this might, this might hit home in some way. James is distinguishing God as Father and Creator against this idea of fate, or the idea that we would look to the stars to find our stability or our direction. I don't know how popular it is right now in our world, but let's just say directly that from James 1.17, we have an admonition from the Lord that our life would not be driven by horoscopes, that our life would not be driven by astrology, that our life is not driven by fate. Sometimes we see things that happen in the world or things that happen in our life and we're tempted to say, well, it just happened because it happened. That is not the word of God. We have not fate that drives our life. We have a good and loving and all-holy, all-powerful Father behind all things. And so if you are in a life and circumstances that are very shaky right now, and you find yourself tempted to look away from God, to look toward horoscopes, to look toward astrology, to look toward things that are not of God's word, can I just call you to look back to a good father who loves you and stands as a constant reminder that he is eternally giving and he is unchangeably good? Uh, and let me say one other thing that might be of interest at this point. You might say, yeah, oh, and there are certain places in, Bi in the Bible where it talks about God changing. Aren't there certain places in the Old Testament where it says that God changed his mind? Yeah, yeah, there actually are. There are places in the Old Testament where it says that God changed his mind. Here's what's going on in those situations, and I'll talk about this some more on Facebook Live in the morning because we don't have enough time right, right now. But when it talks about God changing his mind, what we find is that God's character, that who he is, that his purposes for the world, that his will, none of that ever changes. When you read about God changing, or God having compassion, or God relenting, it's always talking about God responding to a situation in the world as his plans unfold, because his people prayed, because his people repented, and God changed. He responded in a way that was perfectly in line with his will and his character, or God's people sinned. And God is a holy and just God, and so he changed or he responded in a way that his plans were unfolding according to his character. So when you read in the Bible or somebody tries to stump you and say, hey, I found this contradiction in the Bible. One place it says God doesn't change, and another place it says that God does change. What do you do with that? God's character, God's purposes, God's will never changes for all of eternity. How God's plans unfold 
how he works according to his will from our perspective does look like there are changes. He does respond in his relationship with us. You do find those things. When we talk about God being eternally giving and unchangeably good, it doesn't mean that he's far separated and he has no involvement in the world. He has no passion. He has no good and true holiness and love. All of those things are true, and he's poured those things out. Look at verse 18 as we get ready to wrap up. What do you find in verse 18 of James 1? In verse 18, it says that God is acting of his own will. Of his own will, he brought us forth. This is the word for for giving birth. He, He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I love what's happening here. We know that God is eternally giving. We know that he's unchangeably good. One of his great gifts to us is the gift of creation. But his greatest gift is found in the word of truth. What do we find that word of truth to be in the New Testament? It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ that we, in our sins, that just before this in the book of James, we find out that sin leads to death, that our desires give birth to sin and sin leads to death, into that situation, God steps with the great gift of his son, the gospel of truth, the good news of Jesus, that God gives of himself in creation and he gives of himself for your salvation. Our desires left to ourselves, we are drawn to sin and sin leads to death. God says, I have provided another way. I provided life and hope and salvation through you, for you that comes through the word of truth. Let me give you two cautions right now as we think about practical application and get ready to wrap up at this point. Let me, let me show you two things on the screen that I think might, might be helpful. When we think about God being eternally giving and unchangeably good, you could ask rightfully, so what? Owen, we've done a lot of theology this morning. How does this connect to my life? Here's how it connects to your life. We are tempted to chase good, chase things that we consider good only for this life apart from God and apart from eternity. Be careful in your life of chasing after things that look good but only have to do with this world and you chase after those things without thinking about God or about thinking, without thinking about eternity because what happens is we begin to treat the good things of this life as gods instead of gifts from God. Sin, turning against God, happens when we take something that he has created and we use it for our purposes, or we distort it and we use it for evil purposes. The things that God has created are good gifts for your life, but they are terrible gods. The things of this world, when we begin to hold on to them, and we begin to use them for ourselves, we begin to take these things like money or sex or relationships or opportunities at work or play, any of these things that we take that are good gifts from God to be used for his glory according to his words, when we take them and use them for ourselves, they begin to take over our lives. And they become gods that lead us away from the one true God. If you're watching this morning, and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, let me give you two questions that I would want you to ask this morning based off of what we've studied, based off of what I've said. If you are not a follower of Jesus, let me give you two questions. The first question is this. Could you guys bring that up on the screen so we can see this? If you are not a follower of Jesus, to whom 
do you give thanks for good in your life? And where do you turn when life goes bad? If you are trying to share about your faith with other people, if you're trying to have a conversation just to open up spiritual questions with someone, or if you're watching this morning and you have spiritual questions and you're unsure about your relationship with God, how do you answer those questions? To whom do you give thanks for good, and where do you turn when life goes bad? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There is an eternally giving God who is unchangeably good, and he is given of himself. He is given his son so that your life would not perish. Your life would not result just in death for the things of this world, leading to eternal separation from him, but that you would find life both now and for eternity, that you were made for his glory, that you were made to worship him, to trust him, to turn to him, to live for him, and all the things that he's already given you. Who do you give thanks for the good things in your life? Who do you thank for those things? Where do you turn when life does not go the way you expect? And if you're a follower of Jesus already this morning, I want to give you a couple of things to think about. Oh, and how do I take what we've talked about this morning, and how do I begin to put that into practice in my life? How do I live if I believe those things? Remember, our concern, my whole concern this morning is you would say, yeah, I believe those, but how do I know it's in my heart? How do I know this is true that God is eternally giving and unchangeably good? How do I know that? I praise him, and I pray to him. A life of praise, God, you are good, and a life of prayer, unchangeably unchangeably good God does not lead us away from prayer, that leads us straight to prayer. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to live that out tonight at 7 o'clock. That if you believe these things to be true, you should be a source of peace and hope to others. If you believe in an eternally giving, unchangeably good God, your life can be a source of peace and a life of hope. And you would live in a way that shows that everything I have is from God and everything I have is for God. You know, one of the things that has made the last few weeks so difficult is with all the change and, and all the uncertainty going on, where do you look for a foundation? With everything that is happening in our world, and I don't know, I don't know if, if May is going to be 100 days long like March, or I don't know if May is going to be 10 days long like April was, I don't know when things are going to change, either to go back to normal, so to speak. For all we know, something huge is going to happen again this week that, that will change things. We don't know those things. But here's what we do know. God is eternally giving, and he is unchangeably good. And Emmaus, if we know that, we can trust him, we can worship him, we can rest in him, we can live for him, for his glory. And if you don't know that to be true, would you reach out to me? Would you reach out to somebody this afternoon? Every one of us has to answer the question, to whom do we give thanks? Where do we turn when things go bad? What is the foundation for my life? And all I want to say to you this morning is that there is an eternally giving and unchangeably good God who wants to answer that question for you. Let's pray together.
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of being able to sing together this morning. God, thank you for those that have connected with us through video. God, thank you for the opportunity to gather again tonight through technology to pray together at 7 o'clock. God, I pray that this piece of theology, that who we believe you to be, that this would be a foundation for our lives going ahead. God, we wouldn't brush this off as something, oh yeah, I know that, and we would go on, but God, we would sit in that today. We would think about who you were before creation. We would think about how you constantly, eternally overflow with love and life and light. And God, we thank you that you are unchangeably good in a world that is chaotic and uncertain and when life happens in ways that we never expected. God, you are so faithful and you are a good, good father. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Emmaus, we love you. Thanks for being with us this morning, and we'll connect tonight at 7 o'clock and on Facebook throughout the week, and then we'll do it again next week for Mother's Day. God bless you. Have a great day.